the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 125 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. And Bryce, we've kind of glossed over it these past couple weeks. Not glossed over it. We've, we've mentioned it, but haven't gone too deep. But me and you in conversations, we've spoken about You can't let the evil empire, the New York Yankees, get hot. And what did they do, Bryce? They're unbelievable. They let us get get hot. The Yankees are currently riding a nine-game winning streak, 20 games over 500, 72 and 52. Our game that we will be picking first for our Bovada Sportsbook Picks of the Week, uh, BovadaSportsbook.com Picks of the Week shortly, the Yankees playing the Braves tonight in Atlanta. It's the first time since 1901 that two teams riding a nine-plus game winning streak in Major League Baseball go head-to-head. Uh, if you're a Yankees fan or a Braves fan, good time to be living right now. I mean, it's – especially since the uh, – I mean, I know they got the win yesterday, but uh, Yankees fans, Braves fans, they don't have a lot in common. I have no ill will towards the Braves organization, but um, – so the Yankees and Braves, we can unite that we're not we're not very fond of the Mets, and whereas the Yankees and Braves have been two of the two of the three hottest teams in the league, along with the Dodgers, the New York Mets have been so bad. I saw a tweet last week that they lost eleven games in the standings in twenty one days. It's unbelievable. And look, I'll give the Mets not a pass, but I'll give them a little bit of the of a break just because. I've never seen a team get screwed over so badly to the scheduling by the scheduling gods, uh, more so than the Mets having to face the Dodgers and the Giants for 13 consecutive games, uh, which, I, to be honest with you, I don't know about you, I've never seen a team play two teams out of their division for 13 consecutive games, period, uh, let alone arguably the two best teams in baseball over one stretch. Uh, sounds like you're just making an excuse, but I can't offhand remember this app. Tough for the Mets. At least they got a win yesterday, a uh, 7-2 win to halt what I believe was a nine-game losing streak. Uh, I don't know if it was nine because I think they got one of the San Francisco games too. Correct. They did get one of the Giants games. Uh, so we'll call it 11 of their past 13 we've, they've lost. I have no idea if that's true. It just seems right to me in my head having watched a bunch of Mets games. Yeah, they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. It's unbelievable. Tough time to be a Mets fan. Uh, Great time to also be a Reds fan, but we will get into all of that shortly. Uh, We will lead off with our Bovada Sportsbook Picks of the Week. Uh, First game, we're going to pick two games this week. First game is going to be the White Sox at the Blue Jays. Uh, And I will preface by saying these are the two games that I actually did bet on today. Uh, White Sox have my boy Lance Lynn on the bump. Blue Jays have Alex Manoa at home. Plus one and a half, plus 155, minus 106 for the White Sox. 
plus one and a half, minus 175, minus 114 for the Blue Jays. Lance Lynn on the mound, minus 106. This is an unbelievable value play. Give me the White Sox all the way. It's so <clears throat> it's you're you're just all in on this Lance Lynn train, aren't you? I have been for three years. Why stop now? I'm gonna go the complete other way. And I don't want to step in a conversation we're having later, but I think this blue <clears throat> this Blue Jays lineup, I think at this point I'm gonna call it the scariest in the league. Even they without George Springer. Even without I mean without no, not without George Springer. Okay, tonight George Springer is not playing for what it's worth. I'm seeing that now. Without George Springer, but still, <clears throat> I mean, they still just have dudes that hit. And I think this is the game that Lance Lynn blows up a bit, which opens up the Cy Young for Garrett Cole. He did blow up <laughs> a little bit uh, last week in terms of getting ejected. It wasn't statistical blow up. It was him sort of blowing up an umpire. Uh, but again, we'll get to that in a little bit. I think I have a little bit of recency bias here. I bet on the Blue Jays last week with Alex Manoa on the bump, and he gave up seven runs against the Nationals. So riding with my guy, going against the guy who absolutely shafted me last week. Uh, and the Yankees, they are in Atlanta. Game's at 7.20 Eastern time, so about an hour from right now. Jordan Montgomery on the bump for the Yankees. Uh, Yanoa on the bump for the Braves. Plus one and a half, minus 210, minus 110 for the Yankees. Minus one and a half, plus 175, minus 110 for the Braves. Braves are hot. Braves are, Braves are at home. You know, was on the bump. He looked very strong in his first start off the IL uh, last week. But at the end of the day, Yanks are hot. Minus 110. Great value. Give me the Yanks. I mean, everything you just said you could say about the Braves. Right. But I'm not a Braves fan. That's true. Um God, the Yanks are so hot right now. Uh, <clears throat> I don't love Montgomery. You know what? It, I, I don't like taking road teams. When I can take a home team, I guess the Braves don't lose. I guess the Yankees don't lose. What's the over-under for runs in this game? You know, I just closed out the tab as soon as you asked me. So give me You know what? Just take the over because both of these teams are just hitting the crap out of the ball. And Montgomery, you know uh, Good, not great guys on the mound. So let's just expect a lot of offense. Over under is nine. And if you're looking for a prop bed, give me Giancarlo to go deep tonight. So you bringing up Giancarlo was leading me into my next question about the Yankees. What do you think the Yankees do the next three days uh, with Luke Voigt, who's been the hottest hitter on the team without question? He's out tonight with Rizzo at first base. Uh, do you expect to see three day three games where Rizzo, or I guess we're only playing two in Atlanta. Uh, do you expect to see Rizzo in the lineup both days and Void on the bench or Void in the lineup today or tomorrow with standing back in the outfield? I mean, I would just go righty-lefty. That's why you bring in lefties for this exact reason. That's why you trade it for lefty bats. Can't argue with that. Baseball in its simplest form. Uh, we're going to mix up the order today a little bit. We're going to go league leaders and then standings. Uh, I know, right? Uh, run scored leader, Vlad Jr. still with 93. Uh, hits leader, Adam Frazier with 146. But here's what I want to ask you. Uh, how unlikely do you think it was that coming into the year that Adam Frazier would be leading baseball with 146 hits and David Fletcher would be leading the American League with 145 hits? Big year for second baseman in Major League Baseball this year. Trey Turner's in third. Yeah, but Trey Turner's a beast. That doesn't surprise me as much. Yeah, but it's a big big year for second baseman. 
isn't it amazing? I read this today that arguably the two best shortstops in baseball are not playing shortstop for their teams right now. Who's the other one? Tatis. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but there's a re- Tatis makes a lot of errors at shortstop. I'm just saying the two best shortstops in baseball are currently playing second base and right field for their respective teams in the NL West. When you put it that way, yeah, without me getting all nitpicky, that's pretty good. Doubles leaders, Hamir Candelario for the Tigers, tied with Devers, J.D. Martinez, and Marcus Simeon at 33 apiece. Triples leader, David Peralta with eight. Home runs leader, Otani with 40. RBIs leader, Jose Abreu with 92. I know I say it every time we talk about Jose Abreu, but next year we need to make sure that me and you can find a sports book where you could bet on Jose Abreu, 100 RBIs, because I really do think it's as big of a lock as anything in baseball. I mean, as long as he stays healthy, yeah. Walks leader. But walks. You know, and he's always shown us that. That's, that's just a general caveat for anyone, because Jose Abreu has been durable. Juan Soto leading with 97 walks. Stolen base leader is Starling Marte with 39. Batting leader, 323, Trey Turner. While I do the rest, do you mind doing a little bit of research for me? I love it. Can you give me the batting champs of the past decade and see what the lowest average was to lead the league for a specific season? Because I'm intrigued. Turner would be leading the NL with 323. Michael Brantley with 319. I'm intrigued to see where those would stack up in the lowest batting champs of the decade in terms of average. Soto leading an OBP, 446. Tatis slugging, 655. OPS is also Tatis, 1.026. Overtook Vlad Jr. and Otani there. On to the pitching side of things. Kyle Hendricks leading with 14 wins. ERA leader is Walker Bueller at 2.11. Chase? Talk to me. I'll Venmo you five bucks right now if you could tell me who won the NL batting title. In 2014. It's not Freddie Sanchez. That's too late. Uh, 2014, Michael Kadire. Justin Morneau. I swear to God, I was going to guess Morneau for the Rockies, and instead I went with Kadire. Didn't Kadire win a batting title, though? Kadire, um, yeah, Kadire won in 13. Uh, the Morneau 2014 was a 319. Can I still get a virtual fist bump for at least getting the fact that you get like, the virtual fist that, bump. That, more that, that different former twin Michael Kadire won a batting title for the Rockies not too long within the decade? Yeah. Um, okay. So the answer is a lot of Rocky batting titles. They should look into the course field. So the answer is Morneau at 319 right now? Morneau at 319. Correct. All right. Good to know. ERA leader Walker Bueller, 3.11. Complete games leader, Herman Marquez, Wainwright, and Wheeler. Three complete games apiece. Uh, saves leader, Mark Melanson, 34. Innings pitch leader, Zach Wheeler, 168 and two-thirds. Your strikeout leader, Zach Wheeler with 194. Whip leader, Max Scherzer, 0.91. Uh, I want to talk about two things for the league leaders here. Uh, the first is a couple weeks ago when you and I looked up the Bavada odds for the Cy Young, Lance Lynn was the heavy favorite, and Garrett Cole was actually at plus odds at that point. Did me and you shit the bed not taking that? Uh, because looking at the American League pitching leaders right now, uh, Cole is tied for first in wins. He is – oh, I don't want the worst ERA. He's tied for second behind Robbie Ray in ERA, leading the league in strikeouts. He's leading the league uh, in whip. Chase, on the ERA, does Lynn have enough innings to qualify for Lynn ERA? does not have enough innings. So say even after tonight, Garrett Cole is third in ERA. First in wins, 
first in strikeouts, first in whip, third in ERA, and in innings pitched, he's eighth despite the injuries. I think despite, uh, you know, an injured list stint, a couple of really bad starts, season ends today. Garrett Cole's going to win the Cy Young. I agree. No, I think um, – and what does Bavada have, Matt, right now? Let me take a peek real quick. That's a great question. Because whatever if, – if he's in the plus odds at this point in the season, I would just take it. Because, like, I projected a Lance Lynn blow up tonight. I will never project a Garrett Cole blow-up star. Garrett Cole plus 140. Seems like you and I will be placing some bets after the recording. Yeah. And over in the National League, I think, uh, you know, Zach Wheeler, I'm not going to say he had a blow-up because he didn't, but I think right now, even though Wheeler's been perceived as the favorite, Walker Bueller, in my eyes, is going to win this award. I think if the season ends today – you know, it's, it's honestly, it's too early to say, you know, because I would probably vote Corbin Burns. I'd go and give it a Corbin over Walker. I mean, the Corbin Burns K for nine numbers is 12.4. The only knock I'll have on Burns is I know wins and losses or whatever. Bueller's 13 and two Burns is eight and four. I don't care about that. Bueller though, has a 211 ERA, uh, which is 0.02 high or uh, lower than Burns but he has thrown 35 more innings. That's a, that's five good starts worth more of innings. I mean, it's a valid. You can't disagree with that. But what I would say, I mean, Burns has a better – the whip and ERA are basically a wash. So I guess it's are you impressed by Walker's more innings or Corbin Burns' strikeouts? And you're taking the innings and I'm taking the strikeouts. I'm happy either way. Walker Bueller's long been one of my favorite pitchers. Corbin Burns is on my fantasy team. So if either of those guys win, I'm a happy camper. You know what I just found out about our fantasy league today? That six teams make the playoffs. Oh, really? I thought it was four. So did I. I guess I still want to be the one team. Do the first two teams get a buy? Have to, yeah. Okay, then I'm going to just keep on trekking with my 15-game lead. Just for the record, I don't like that. I think the playoffs should be – I don't like half the league getting in the playoffs. I like the, That's what I like about baseball. Just, for the, the, just right. for the record, I did, in fact, put my money where my mouth is and pick up Livingston native Frank Schwindel in fantasy. Who'd you drop? Brandon Nemo. He hasn't been very good. And crazy enough, I had a former league member call me because he was angry that I outbid him on said Frank Schwindel. Eli? Eli Russo. So I gave him Nemo. I gave him a med. He was happy. Makes sense. Moving to the league leaders, AL East. Rays have an AL best 77-48 record. Four and a half up on the New York Yankees. Red Sox, Blue Jays, Orioles rounding out the division there. AL Central, White Sox 72-53. and They are nine and a half up on the Indians, who are exactly 500. Tigers, Royals, Twins rounding out the division there. Astros 73 and 51, three and a half up on the A's. Mariners 67 and 58, hanging around in the playoffs. Six and a half back in the division, three and a half back in the wild card. That's a real nice season from Seattle. All things considered, absolutely. Angels, Rangers rounding out the division there. Uh, Looking at the wild card, the Yankees are two up on the Red Sox, and then the A's are half a game back. Mariners are three and a half back. Blue Jays are five games back. I mean, looking at the American League, uh, we talk about we talked about the Yankees 
Uh, they're nine to one in their last 10, currently riding a nine game winning streak. They are crushing, uh, just crushing teams at this point. It's been awesome. I'd say crushing teams. There's been a ton of one run games to be honest. Tampa Bay has been crushing teams. Tampa's been crushing teams. Uh, one team I have to highlight is the Orioles are 0 and 10 and are currently on an 18 game losing streak and are trying to match uh, their season from the 80s where they started the year 0 and 21. Uh, do you think they'll do it? I mean, they got three games against the Angels coming up. They should be able to get one of them. You would hope. <laughs> uh, I got to look at the rest. I mean, if it's not against the Angels, I mean, the Angels just aren't very good. It's kind of – the Angels are floating around that. They're hovering around 500 right now. You think with a healthy trout, this team would have actually done something? I still don't think they would have had the arms. And, and I, I, a healthy trout and a healthy Rendon, I think you have to certainly mention. Because, I mean, uh, it doesn't get – I mean, if they – they're going up against – they got a Bundy homecoming on Tuesday. We'll pencil that in as a maybe. Then they got Otani and Quintana. We'll say loss, loss. Not, then they have Harvey pitching against Tampa. That's probably a loss. They got Tampa. Uh, they have a series against the Angels, Rays, Blue Jays, Yankees, and then four at home against the – so they will win a game. Again, they'll win at least one of those four against the Royals, September 6th through. At which point the answer – so to make a long story short, the answer in your mind will be, if we're waiting until the Royals series, yes, they are going to go past 21 straight losses. <laughs> well, I would – I mean, there's – Bundy sucks. There are days when Bundy is just awful. Yeah, but you know players, when they play their old teams, they just want to shove it. Yeah, but Bundy is a six ERA again. shrugging my shoulders right now i mean it's bundy i guess bundy is who we always thought he was uh talking about the yankees for a second right now we are has an era close to seven yeah their pitching's bad so i guess that answers my angels yeah the angels even with trout probably not overcoming two eras over six in the starting rotation that would be tough uh talking about the wild card situation yankees two and a half up right now they would host a wild card game Catching the Rays, you know, the Yanks are only four and a half back. As hot as they are, the Rays have been great. I do think the Rays are going to win the East, uh, although it could get very interesting with that last series of the year between the Yankees and Rays uh, to close out the regular season being at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, but I feel like the Rays just kick the shit out of the Yankees every time now. In the Trop, not at Yankee Stadium. The Trop is where where dreams go to die. Uh, My question is, though, as a fellow Yankee fan. That's why no one goes. As a fellow Yankee fan, how much more – do you want to see Oakland in this wild card game than a Chris Sale led Red Sox? Oh, is it between Sale and everybody's favorite? Probably Sale. Uh, you figure Chris Bassett might not pitch again this year, so call it uh, call it Sean Manea or Chris Sale. I mean, I just way rather face Oakland because the Red Sox, for all their flaws, Chris Sale. Chris Sale's a really good pitcher. Chris Sale can pitch. And that lineup, I mean, they have six legit, like, borderline all-star talents in that lineup. Go, Oakland, go. We're rooting for you. We're rooting for you to find a new stadium. The team I really don't want to face, if Toronto were to somehow get in there, I don't really know who would be pitching for them. But like I said about that lineup, 
That lineup with you or Robbie Ray, I, I agree. I would prefer to avoid that. I'd almost rather Boston than Toronto. Is that crazy? No, but yes, at the same time. It's it's not – I mean, if Chris Sale is Chris Sale, then it's absurd. But just based on the lineups. Because I don't think either Penn has been great lately. I mean, lately, Boston's bullpen has not been firing. We'll see what happens there. Matt Barnes actually, since he signed an extension, has a uh, ERA over seven. Food for thought. Uh, in the National League – Braves nine and one in their last 10, nine game winning streak, 68 and 56. They are five running up. away with that division. Yeah. They're five up on the Phillies Mets 61 and 63, seven back Nats Marlins rounding in that division there. Uh, the Braves uh, again, it just, it seems like it's only five games, but they just have such strong momentum right now. We talked about the Mets earlier in the show. Phillies just got uh, beaten in a series by the diamondbacks of all teams. Uh, I think the Braves, there's no shot that they are not the National League East champs come the end of the year. Yep. Uh, you can pen, pen them in. Brewers, 76 and 49. Uh, they are seven and a half up on the Reds, who are 69 and 57. Cardinals, Cubs, Pirates rounding out of the division there. Giants, 80 and 44. First team in baseball, first and only team in baseball to 80 wins. Two and a half up on the Dodgers, 78 and 47. Padres, Rockies, D backs rounding out of that division there. Dodgers are nine and a half up on the second wild card. Uh, and if you had said to us going into the summer in June, that when we were recording a podcast on August 23rd, that the Padres would not be in the playoffs, the Bavada odds of that happening would have been uh, plus 10,000. That's how good the Padres were. But here we are. Uh, they are a game back of the Reds in the wild card at the season end today. It would be the Dodgers hosting the Reds in the wild card game. Uh, the Padres fired Larry Rothschild today, their pitching coach. It seems like he was the scapegoat of all of this, uh, which ultimately can be attributed to injuries, uh, in my opinion. The whole rotation has been pretty unhealthy this year outside of Blake Snell, who hasn't been very good most of the time. What do we make of this? Are, are the Reds going to finish this off and just slug their way into Los Angeles for the wild card game? You get their brains beaten in. That's what I, that one's too early to call. But I would like to give one – I know we have one Rockies fan listener out there, at least. Michael Capitelli, we're talking to you right now. Your team has the third best home record in all of baseball. Just something to say. They also have the most walk-off wins in baseball with 12. I mean, they are so bad on the road. And that's probably why they're losing all these games. It's it's actually I mean them being 43 and 22 at home is my fault. It's unbelievable. I, I I mean we've always had the Coors field effect, but I don't think that we've ever had it to this extent in my opinion. This doesn't even make sense. This I don't know what you attribute this one to. Dumb luck, one way or the other. Seems like it couple players of the week real quick uh again this will be my last time being a yankees homer but uh from stats by stats the yankees beat the white Sox on sunday the angels on monday the red Sox on tuesday twice uh and on wednesday and now the twins on thursday the first team in baseball history or uh, in american league history to win six games against four different teams in a five game stretch um which is unbelievable uh gotta give a shout out to luis giol I watched the pitch against the Red Sox Tuesday through four and two thirds scoreless innings against the Red Sox. 
And uh, he's the first pitcher in the modern era since 1900 with 18 strikeouts and zero runs allowed in his first three career MLB games, which leads me to ask you this. Why in the fucking world is he not pitching tomorrow against the Braves and Andrew Haney is? I mean, I don't know. We traded for him. He actually looked all right the other day. No, I mean, that was his, uh, that was Andrew Haney's fuck you start. Everyone, us included, was down on him and he went out. Gave up a homer in the first, but then went seven innings, one run. Uh, and that was his way of staying, please don't demote me quite yet. Like, I don't suck, guys. Come on. <laughs> Shout out to two Braves, one pitcher, one hitter. Uh, a 3-0 win against the Orioles. Max Freed threw a four-hit Maddox and joined the ranks of two other pitchers who have tossed shutouts on 90 or fewer pitchers since pitch counts got tracked in 1988. Who are those two pitchers? I'm looking at the notes right now. Uh, I guess that makes it less fun. I uh, stopped looking at the notes for all future inquiries. Okay, well, it's the Maddox, so Maddox. Maddox, I knew, was one. Would you have guessed Glavin or Smoltz? I probably would have guessed Smoltz just without thinking, but um, Maddox makes more sense. Or I guess uh, Glavin would make more sense. He was better. It was Tom Glavin. And shout-out to his teammate, Freddie Freeman, who strengthened his MVP resume, hitting for the cycle on Wednesday night's 11-9 win over the Marlins. 31-year-old first baseman became just the second player to accomplish this twice while playing for the Braves, securing the cycle when he homered off of right-hander Luis Madero in the sixth inning. Uh, Freddie Freeman, man, professional hitter. It's amazing. He was hitting in the 230s in May, and now is up to over 300. Dude knows what he's doing. It has for a very long time. Freddie's casually a free agent this offseason. There's no way they let him play anywhere else, right? He's, um, I mean, he's Chipper Jones now. Is Freddie more so than any player in baseball, would you say, uh, the sneakiest trajectory of anyone to be a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer? I guess it's not sneaky because he won an MVP, but you know what I'm trying to ask right now, right? Is he the most? (sighs) You know who I would compare Freddie to in terms of his Hall of Fame candidacy if he took out the MVP? Adrian Beltre. Just like a really – Good, solid baseball player for a long time. Assuming Freddie does this for the next six, seven years. How old do you think Freddie Freeman is? He's 31 years old. He is 31 years old. So he's got, I mean, at first base, he should easily play another six, seven years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's kind of like Vado to me. I like that comp. We'll see. Those two could be battling it out for the MVP. We're going to go Joey Votto heavy praise towards the end of the uh, podcast. And I got to give a shout out to Otani. Uh, This past week, he hit his major league leading 40th homer of the year against the Tigers on Wednesday. And he also set a career high by throwing eight innings, smacked that said solo homer in the eighth to lead the Angels to a 3-1 win uh, at Comerica Park. Became the fourth AL pitcher to throw at least innings in a homer in a game since the DH was instituted in 1973. That's the other guy who uh, might win the Cy Young. It's interesting. He's going to be, and again, obviously there's the added variable, but he'll almost certainly be the first pitcher to win the MVP without winning the Cy Young. Yeah, no. If Has that never happened? To my knowledge, it is not. I guess maybe my- a sneaky reliever. I will check this out. I'll do the research. I guess my follow-up question to you is, if there's 31st place votes, is Otani unanimous? What's the over-under for you there? 
At the moment, he is unanimous. Correct. I agree. I think there'll be one or two guys who don't vote for him because something, something team sucked, but I would no doubt in my mind, cross uh, Otani off for my first place ballot and um, Vlad jr. I apologize. You just picked a really bad year to become a superstar. Nothing more than that, that we can add. Yeah, good, but okay. So speaking of a guy who's been a superstar for a long time and uh, also talking about Cooperstown and first baseman, uh, Miguel Cabrera yesterday became the 28th member of Major League Baseball's 500 home run club with a sixth inning drive to right center field and the Tigers fired through in versus the Blue Jays in 11 innings on Sunday. He became the first player to reach 500 homers since David Ortiz in 2015 and the first player to ever reach the mark as a Tiger. He's the first Venezuelan-born player to get there and the sixth player born outside the U.S., joining David Ortiz, Pujols, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero, and Manny Ramirez. Um, he Cabrera went eight homerless games after ending his 499th career homer in Baltimore and was four for 31 since that drive when he stepped up to the plate with one out in the sixth against Stephen Matz. After a pair of 95 94-mile-per-hour sinkers, Matz tried to change speeds but left the ball right where Cabrera could put one of his famous opposite field swings on it. 400 feet later, the ball just cleared the wall in the underbelly of the Rogers Center, where it was quickly retrieved by members of the Tigers' bullpen. It was Cabrera's first home run in Toronto since September 9th, 2017, and his 2,955th hit, uh, which means with 36 games to play, he needs 45 hits uh, to become just the seventh player overall and the first player in Major League history to record his 500th home run and 3,000th hit in the same season. I'm going to get to the 500 home run club in a little bit. I'm going to circle back. Uh, but Cabrera entered Sunday still owning a healthy career batting average of 311 um, and could retire with a 300-plus average, 500-plus doubles, 500-plus home runs, and 3,000 hits. If so, he'd be only the third player since 1900 to check all of these boxes following Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. Again, the 500 and 3,000 club, Aaron, Mays, Eddie Murray, Palmero, Pujols, and A-Rod. It's a near certainty he's going to get to this by the early 2022, if not the end of 2021. A couple of other Miggy stats, just because, again, I, I think we know how great he is, but at the same time, I feel like he does kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit for whatever reason. Uh, amongst the 500 home run club, players who have an average as high as Miggy for his career, Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Jimmy Fox, Manny Ramirez, that's it. Uh, he joins Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, Frank Robinson and Jimmy Fox as players who won the triple crown and have 500 career home runs. But Miggy would be the first player in that group with 3000 hits among Venezuelan major leaguers is the all-time leader in home runs, RBIs, doubles, runs scored, uh, batting titles and home run titles. And by capturing four AL batting crowns in the span of five years, including three straight from 2011 to 13, he joins Roger Hornsby as the only hitter since 1920, or the only right-handed hitter since 1920 to claim three consecutive batting crowns. Um, unbelievable. I mean, a guy, since he came up, you know, that rookie year in 2003, hits a walk-off home run in his major league debut. It's the big home run off of Roger Clemens in the World Series as a 20-year-old kid against the Yankees. Uh, there's nothing we haven't seen Miggy do. You know, I hope for a younger generation, he doesn't become another Albert Pujols, an all-time great who, you know, earned a lot of contracts to do nothing. He's been worth zero war since 2017. Um, but what are your thoughts on the 500th home run and uh, just Miggy's career in general with such a huge accomplishment having taken place? I feel like Miggy 
if you're going to compare them to pools, which is easy given both their contracts and their deterioration in the back half of their career, Miggy's just always seemed Miggy's Miggy struggles with a smile. Miggy just seems like he's always having fun out there. And like I wish I got to see more of young Miggy on the Marlins because he has the ring. Miggy's done everything you could possibly want to do as a big man. I think of all those stats I just read, I, I really do think it gets forgotten amongst the home runs, the hit totals. I mean, this guy won four batting titles. That, yeah, it's like the we're, talking, we're talking about the Gwyns, the Wade Boggs of the world, Rod Carews, et cetera. Yeah. No, that's – I mean, you can make a case he's an all-time contact or an and, all-time – And for context, we talked about cheap batting titles before. The lowest of Miggy's four batting titles was 330, which, if you ask me, pretty legit. Pretty legit. I was doing some research on MVPs and Cy Young's free, and I got a good one. Okay. Since the Cy Young's been around, every pitcher to win the MVP has a Cy Young. There was this guy by the name of Willie Hernandez, Puerto Rican pitcher. Tigers, relief pitcher, 84 Tigers. He won the MVP and the Cy Young that year and the World Series. Never got a single MVP or Cy Young vote again. That Tiger, I, I, part of me thinks that that's because I think that Tigers team started like 35 and five or something ridiculous. Like they were a wire to wire World Series champ. And I'm assuming if he wanted it, the MVP, probably had an ERA under two. And he was just the most dominant player on a dominant team. And you had to give someone on the team the MVP in their eyes. We're at up. I mean, I didn't have a vote back then. <laughs> we certainly did not. Uh, 500 home run clubs. So again, it's been six years since we had. They were 35 and five. Pretty goddamn impressive. Hadn't been somebody for six years since Big Bobby did in 2015. Nelson Cruz is next with 443, uh, but he's only 40, or he's only, he's 41 years old. So who knows if he will keep bucking the age curve there. Um, You need at least two more seasons, I think. Do you think we'll ever have a 500 home run hitter again? You know, what are the Bavada odds that we see one in the next decade? Because. It's, Honestly, I don't yeah, know. That was, the, that was my big takeaway from all this. He's only the 28th guy in history to reach this. Um, I mean, there will be more. I mean, Mike Trout's going to get to 500. You and I have gone over a couple times the path for Harper to get there. He's so young, he'll do it. Acuna is so young, he'll do it. Guy like, I mean, you see a, way, a kid like Vlad's playing, he should get there. As long as they come up young enough, they can do it. So here's a list from uh, Jordan Schusterman, who is one half of Cespedes Family Barbecue. Uh, and he did this interesting. So he, he did it in tears. You have, of course, he'll do it. Uh, he's Mike Trout. Uh, Trout's 30. He's got 310 home runs. I agree. He'll get there. Get there. Great pace. Uh, Harper's 29 at 255 home runs. Stanton is 32 with 332 home runs. I think they will get there not because of dominance. I think they'll get there in light of their contracts. Yeah, I mean, if that's a, I mean, that's like a negative way to say things, Chase. I'm just being honest. I don't think they'll have dominant home run years. I just think the reality is, you know, Harper is in Philly for another 10 years. Do I think he'll average 25 homers a year over the life of that contract? Sure. I'm going to pull up a name that is worth uh, – Hold you on. Keep let, me, let me go through the list. He's probably there. No, because it's a guy that used to play and didn't get there. 
Then there's the young buck. Soto is 23. He's got 89 homers. Vlad's 23, 60 homers. Tatis, 23, 73 homers. Acuna, 24, 105 homers. Of all of those guys, I actually like Soto's chance the most. That's my take. I mean, he's the youngest. If Ar- So Arenado's 30. He has 260 homers. If he had stayed in Coors Field, I think it would have been a lock. Now that he's out, I don't think he'll get close. I got to just get this guy's age right. I mean, it's a lot harder than you'd think because a guy like Adam Dunn had 440 homers through his first 12 seasons. And then and then, that, and then he had one left. He had one left in a 22, ended up at 460. So much of it is ultimately you just have to stay healthy. Uh, and the great example that I read today, through his age 29 season, um, Prince Fielder had 383 home runs, which was the most of any player in baseball history. Yeah. But then he got hurt. Dunner was only – Dunner was 34. Uh, he had 440 home runs by age 34. Or I guess 33 because he's a November birthday. It, it really – for any of these big counting milestones, 3,000 hits, 300 wins, 3,000 strikeouts, 500 home runs, it is a lot about dominance. But longevity is certainly as big of a part of it as anything. Dunner had five consecutive – or I'm sorry. Four consecutive 30 homer seasons? No, it was five. Dunn had five in a row. Oh, excuse me. Adam Dunn's home. Thinking of Adam Dunn hitting home runs is making me sneezy. Yeah, Adam Dunn, if he was playing in baseball 10 years later, he's a superstar. Not that he wasn't a star, but he's a superstar today. He was 46, 40, 40, 40, 40, 38, 38. And had a career 364 on base. Add another 41. He also had 41 homers in 2012, 34 in 2013. But then in 2014, he had 22 and was out of the league. And then out of the league. I've been saying it for a while. If he had gotten to 500 home runs, Adam Dunn would have been the most fascinating Hall of Fame debate in baseball history. He would have had to um, – his career average is bad. At the same time, though, he led the league in walks twice. Yes, but he led the league in strikeouts four times. I think what you look at at the end of the day would be the home run total with an 854 OPS and a 124 OPS plus, both of which are well within Hall of Fame range. I mean, I like that we're having this debate anyway, but his highest MVP finish was 21st, two all-star games, four times. And I love Dunner, but uh, I just don't think Dunner could get Dunner was on some bad teams. At the end of the day, yes, the reality is he's a 237 hitter uh, for his career, and we will leave it at that. Uh, We will go from the past to the future. Um, We saw some of the Little Leaguers on the field yesterday during the Little League Classic in Williamsport, where Indian starter Cal Cal Quantrill has been electric all second half. Uh, He was particularly dominant under the lights of Muncie Bank Ballpark and historic Bowman Field. Uh, with Little League World Series participants in attendance, he dazzled through seven sparkling frames, allowing just two hits in the Indians, 2 nothing victory over the Angels. It was the first time Cleveland has won three consecutive games since July 8th to 10th against the Royals. Uh, Quantrill allowed just a leadoff single to Otani in the first and a base hit to David Fletcher in the third. And aside from two walks, he retired the rest of the batters he faced, again with nine strikeouts. 
highlights of the trip were Mike Trout and Shohei Otani showing up to the Little League World Series complex, uh, meeting with starstruck Little Leaguers, signing autographs and taking pictures. Trout called it an unforgettable experience. Otani during the game was FaceTiming during the dugout, uh, from the dugout. And on the Indian side, uh, Fadmiel Reyes, Jose Ramirez, and Ahmed Rosario, uh, who homered in the Little League Classic for the second year in a row. Um, they joined the kids for a group of wiffle ball. And I would say the big highlight was when they joined Chris Ananetti to do the most famous tradition of the Little League World Series, sliding down the hill on a broken card ball, uh, cardboard box. Ananetti took the strategic approach, picking the brains of kids who had spent the entire morning making runs. And after his seamless headfirst slide down the hill, uh, Reyes slid down on a small piece of cardboard and pretty much just rolled down the hill uh, and fell on his ass. Nothing too exciting from this game itself, but again, it's awesome to see the kids involved. Uh, during the pregame announcements, they have one kid from each team line up for the players to go shake hands down, which two, which is really cool. They already announced Red Sox Orioles for 2022. Uh, ultimately, this doesn't have the fanfare of a Field of Dreams game, but it does beg the question that I saw on Twitter that I wanted to ask you. There's so many Major League Baseball games in a season. Why not just do more fun, random games like this? That's what I was going to say. That's, it's, it's just money. Break. It's money and ratings. That's all it is. It's money. It's ratings. You can sell those, take, those ticket sales, go through the roof. Like Even that mystery game that we just had to look up last week, the Fort Bragg game. Just why not have that? But like have a July 4th game at Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I mean, I can come up with these ideas all the time. Like, you want to just keep coming up with nonsense ideas? I got them. Cinco de Mayo in Mexico City. Just, like, that's not. There you go. Think of some more. You could do an Alaska game because I like Alaska. Columbus Day in Columbus, Ohio. I think that's at Chase. That's Indigenous Peoples Day. Doesn't have the same ring, Indigenous Peoples Day in Columbus, Ohio. It does not. It's actually very, it's almost an offensive one. And it's uh, also in October during the playoffs. So it doesn't really do us a whole lot. But there's so many, just, I mean, there's so many baseball games. There are 162 games. Owners would be, you can move one away a season. Every team should have a every team should have a mystery day. I mean, they should probably brand it something other than mystery day. Very fun. Great to see the Little League Classic. I'm trying to think of more. You're gonna just get me screaming mystery games. You know that for the rest of the podcast. Maybe save it for the end for our miscellaneous. Just write them down. No chance. So the Little League Classic game itself not that classic, but still fun to watch. Uh, and this wasn't fun to watch, but it was fun to read. Uh, Mets owner Steve Cohen called out the team's unproductive offense in a tweet Wednesday morning after uh, hours after New York fell further from postseason contention, but at the time of fifth consecutive loss saying it's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have a more disciplined approach. The slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. Um, again, the Mets on Wednesday lost three, two to or Tuesday lost three, two to the giants and struck out 10 times and marked the first time the Mets fell below 500 since Cinco de Mayo. Uh, and again, the Mets are in a stretch of 13 consecutive games against the Dodgers and the Giants. So I give them a slight pass, but I get Cohen's criticism. Uh, my two questions for you are, one, with the team just collapsing down the stretch and Cohen's outspoken criticism, uh, Bavada odds that Luis Rojas is looking for a new job at the end of the year. Um, and two, you know, at what point does Sandy Alderson or somebody speak up and say, look, you are the owner, you have every right to say what you want, but the players are just not going to be thrilled when you're publicly calling them all out in the New York post. Bovada, I would say at this point, you probably just have to bet on Rojas retaining the job because there's no value in betting. He loses it. 
So you think he's gone? I think he's gone. I mean, it's a he, there's a hedge fund guy running the team. Hedge fund guys aren't pa- are not are not patient by trade. They do want to make um, results. And the Sandy Alderson's gone. To his point, it's like, who was the Mets' big midseason acquisition? It was Javi Baez. Javi Baez is notoriously terrible at plate discipline. So Steve Cohen is basically showing his uh, – Steve Cohen showing that he doesn't know a thing about baseball or a thing about how to manage athletes. That's not how – you don't – that's never how you're supposed to deal with that. You're always supposed to address them directly, not backhanded in your post. So like we said at the beginning of the season, the Mets can get all these great guys, but until they start winning, the Mets will and always will be the Mets until proven otherwise. And this is yet another example. Yeah, I mean, the vet, the Mets, they should uh, win baseball and Bovada end up doing their official part- partnership. They should have the Mets play that game in Vegas. <laughs> I'm all in for it. Um, Outside of Steve Cohen, another guy who has been outspoken in the media uh, throughout the years is Trevor Bauer. And a verdict was reached in his ongoing court case uh, for his restraining order. Uh, The Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Diana Gould-Saltman ruled against a woman's request for a permanent restraining order Thursday. Uh, The judge determined that Bauer did not pose a threat to the 27-year-old woman who accused him of sexual assault over the course of two sexual encounters and that her injuries were not the result of anything she verbally objected to before or during the encounter. The judge said the injuries as shown in the photographs are terrible, but added if she set limits and he exceeded them, this case would have been clear. But she set limits without considering all the consequences and the respondent did not exceed limits that the petitioner said. The judge noted that Bauer didn't pursue a threat on the woman following the second sexual encounter on May 16th, saying that there was no factual bias to support her fears of Bauer after she went to an emergency room or obtaining a protective order. The judge added that there was no supportive evidence that he would harm her in the future. Bauer's administrative leave, which dates back to July 2nd, was extended for a sixth time Thursday with consent by the MLBPA. Bauer's leave will run another eight days, this time through August 27th. MLB's decision is not dependent on a criminal conviction, but the league is not expected to determine the length of a potential suspension suspension until the league process plays out. Bauer was called to the witness stand Thursday morning, but his attorneys had previously told the judge he would not answer questions beyond his name and profession as a major league baseball player, and he invoked his Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate himself. Ultimately, in the eyes of the law, Trevor Bauer got off in this case. Um, But what he did is still out there. Uh, you know, whether you think it was consensual or not. Uh, so with that in mind, I will ask you, hopefully for the last time, do you see a suspension coming for Bauer? Uh, and given that, yes, from a legal standpoint, he did nothing wrong, but obviously still did some just heinous stuff uh, to this girl that should never be done to any person. Uh, do you think another team will take the chance on Bauer knowing his personality and the PR hit? No. I know if I'm running the team, I don't touch this guy. That's it. If I'm in charge of a team, he's. I'm not getting. I'm not doing anything. That's it. Yeah, I would be. Uh, I would be pretty hesitant if I was any team to pick up Bauer as well. Um, I, I mean, again, you, you saw what happened. We saw this a few years ago with the Astros picking up uh, Roberto Ozuna. You know that backlash was swift, and and to me, this is way worse than anything we've seen in the past few years. So. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, Bauer's eyes, uh, you know, Bauer's clear in the eyes of the law, but in the eyes of Major League Baseball players and fans, certainly not clear. Uh, and another guy who's going to have to work to clear his name is Hall of Famer Jack Morris. 
Uh, the Tigers television analyst has been suspended indefinitely from broadcast duties following offensive commentary uh, in regards to Shohei Otani during Tuesday's broadcast on Valley Sports Detroit. Morris tried to imitate an accent while saying the Tigers should pitch Otani carefully when he stepped to the plate in the sixth inning with two outs and the potential go-ahead run on second. He said they should be very careful, uh, which he said was Elmer Fudd. But if you were listening, pretty much sounded like a very offensive Asian accent. Uh, Morris apologized on air during the ninth inning of the game as Otani stepped to the plate, saying it has been brought to my attention. And I sincerely apologize if I offended anybody, especially anybody in the Asian community, for what I said about pitching and being careful to Otani. I did not attend for any offensive thing, and I apologize if I did. I certainly respect and have the utmost respect for this guy, and I don't blame the pitcher for walking him. Otani said, I didn't see the footage. I did see the footage and I heard it. Personally, I'm not offended and I didn't take anything personally. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a big influence in the baseball world. It's kind of a tough spot. We've been saying this for a year plus now. Baseball has an old white guy problem. Clearly, Jack Morris didn't get the memo because we can add him to the list now. Uh, Bavada odd that Jack Morris has ever called a game for the Tigers again, uh, even though Otani said he was okay with what Jack Morris said. Well, it's not as so much about Otani being okay with it. It's about what he did and him not really getting what he did. He needs S tier with B. He needs to go to sensitivity training with Bryce. It's just the – this is what, I don't know what the point of him saying this was. Otani's the best hitter in baseball. I think it's established at this point, Otani's been the best hitter in baseball this year by far. Uh, so just treat him like he's the best player in baseball. Pitch around the guy. You don't have to put a stupid accent on it. At no point was the Elmer Fudd reference. Like, and the other thing, this is, just a, this is more of a personal issue. When you get caught saying something stupid, and being racist, don't hide behind Elmer Fudd. Just own up to the mistake. This, there was no Elmer Fudd here. So, Jack Morris, you're on the list. You're on the list. You don't want to be on the list. Um, we're going to take a quick break from what went on in baseball this week uh, to expand upon, and we'll try to do it as quickly as possible, a conversation me and you had with a few friends over dinner two weeks ago, uh, which are who are the best 10 pitchers of our generation um, so a couple prefaces from this, we're going to go from 2000 to today, um, pitchers that we watched the majority of these, their careers. Uh, so I will lead by saying Pedro Moose, Clemens, Randy Johnson, Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz were all not included because we missed their primes. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So my top 10 in order, I know we both have six, uh, who I think are in both of our lists. Mine in order were. Verlander, Kershaw, Scherzer, Roy Holiday, Granke, CeCe. I have those six as well. In that order, or you didn't do an order? I did not do an order. Okay. I did have those six up first. I would put Kershaw one. I think either way, Verlander, Kershaw, you're talking about slam dunk all famers at this point. Inner, inner circle. All right. Then seven through ten, this I have in no order. Uh, you could just tell me yes or no. Johan? Yeah, I reward, I mean, he should have three straight Cy Youngs. Incredible beat. The King, King Felix. Did not put King Felix and never made the playoffs. I have King Felix, DeGrom. DeGrom is in because of his peak right now is unlike anything we've seen. And then I had Cole Hamels. Yeah, I get why you put Hamels in there. I actually went with Wainwright, probably recent. Just, I mean, it's a lot of recency bias with Wainwright. But the rationale is he's been doing – he's been so good for so long at this point. And whereas Hamels is just cashing checks to not pitch, Wainwright's pushing 40, throwing complete games, eight-inning shutouts. And then who was your last pitcher? 
I settled on Mad Bum. I'm looking at your honorable mentions. I had all the. I was considered. I, I never considered Tim Hudson or Roy Osborne this last night. But yeah, quickly, I, I admittedly went pretty deep on this. But basically, for that last spot, it went down to Mad Bum and I, I, Mad Bum and Cliff. Cliff Lee was the other guy I wanted to put ten. But I'm going to give it to Mad Bum for the postseason stuff. Cliff Lee, I considered because he went Cy Young and then swung two pennant races. I, I can't argue with that. Yeah, my full honorable mentions were Mark Burley because solid all around. This is a no order. David Price, Tim Hudson, John Lester, Mad Bum, Cliff Lee, Wainwright, Carpenter. Chris Sale was a very tough omission for me uh, and Roy Oswald. Yeah, Sale's tough because I like – he doesn't have the hardware for me. It's like the dominance is there, but it isn't there simultaneously. It's like he was the second best pitcher in the AL. I mean, he's, he's probably, I mean, him and Garrett Cole are probably the best guys without a sight on at the moment. I guess Walker. Fingers crossed that changes soon. I mean, but yeah, I would have gone, put Mad Bum is 10 and Cliff Lee is 11 or 10B. Because now when I really make the Cliff Lee case out loud, I could. I can see Cliff Lee getting in this list. If we did it again next week, Cliff Lee's probably in. Cliff Lee in his peak had the best control of any pitcher I've ever seen at any level in my lifetime. Swung two pennant. If he had gotten one of those two rings, I think he'd be that man. I will have the memory ingrained in my brain forever of game one of the 2009. Is it when he just didn't catch up or didn't even give a shit and caught the ball? Cliff Lee goes nine innings, gives up one run, strikes out 11 against the Yanks, and in the ninth inning catches a ball behind his back. Doesn't give a shit. He's just so in control. Absolute beast. Um, so we've been talking about for the past year how we might be headed towards a lockdown once the CBA expires uh, this offseason. And in face-to-face collective bargaining meetings in Denver last Monday, Major League Baseball made its first proposal covering core economics to the Players Association. The plan included a new tax on team spending, one that would both effectively lower the first luxury tax, thre- tax threshold in the sport to $180 million and charge teams who exceed that first mark a higher percentage than they paid today. One trade-off people briefed on the league's proposal said would be a salary minimum of $100 million in the sport. Money collected from the team's paying tax would fund certain clubs' payrolls to the minimum, but details about the mechanism are unclear, including what penalties teams might incur if they do not reach $100 million or what year the minimum would take effect. The current tax system includes three spending tiers, the first of which is $210 million. Today, a team that goes over the amount pays a tax of at least 20%, and in the new system proposed by MLB, the three tiers would still exist, and the new tax would be introduced below them, making for what would function as a four-tier system, starting at 25% for the teams above $108 million, and the rates would climb from there. For Cott's contract, seven teams began 2021 with payrolls projected to be under $100 million as calculated for luxury tax purposes. Um, Ultimately, I read this, uh, the Bavada odds of this happening are plus a thousand to me. Uh, and, and I think the biggest reason for that is as great as a salary floor of a hundred million would be, I don't think the players that there's any chance that they agree to enact that at the expense of the luxury tax being moved down $30 million, because all that's going to mean is fewer big contracts in my mind. I mean, that's why it's a negotiation. Those salaries, I mean, I, as a fan, you have to prefer the salary floor. So you just don't see this abhorrent taking, tanking that's going on around the league. Uh, but yeah, this, this, I don't think it's agreed though. I mean, I think a salary floor is coming. 
I'm all for the salary floor. I, I mean, you just have teams. I know in the NBA there was the process with the Sixers, but it, it just feels like this Orioles team, like even when the Astros were bottoming out, you knew you had Springer, Correa, all those guys on the way. I, I, I wouldn't be like so anti-Orioles with this take just because the Orioles, I think the Orioles didn't see this coming. I mean, Chris Davis was, they, they, they still had a $23 million player on the roster. Their problem is they invested incorrectly. It wasn't so much a tank job. I guess, but at the same time, this is we're, we're now talking 105 plus losses three years in a row. Not in 2020. On pace for 105 plus losses three years in a I row. I mean, losing 18 games in a row. I mean, I don't know who, like, well, I got to check their attendance numbers because I don't know who the hell is still going to these games. I, I'm totally with you. As much as I love baseball, you would have to pay, unless they were playing a good team, you would have to pay me to go to Orioles games at this point. I mean, I'm going to pull up the attendance numbers. But, yeah, I mean, they're lost 18 in a row. And it's not even close. They're terrible. They're terrible. So we'll I mean, see They're still outdrawing Oakland, Tampa, Miami, and Toronto, but that's a COVID thing. Which is an absolute joke there. Uh, so we'll see. It's like you said, this is a negotiation. This will be the first of many back and forth that we'll report on. But interesting to see that the – Owners are starting with the salary floor there. Uh, one guy who got paid before the CBA expires is Travis, Travis Darnode, Braves catcher, two-year deal, $16 million. He'll earn $8 million the next two years, $8 million club option for 2024. That does not have a buyout. $16 million guarantee matches the guarantee on the current two-year deal that Darnode is playing out in Atlanta. Uh, last year, he played 44 of the Braves' 60 games of catcher, hit 321, 386, 533 with nine homers and eight doubles and 184 plate appearances, won the Silver Slugger, uh, hit 286 and 50. Postseason plate appearances, uh, nine days in the nine days leading up to the extension, he came off the IL uh, with a torn ligament in his thumb and went five for 21. Overall, he was hitting 223, 277, 369 through 112 plate appearances this year. Uh, so, again, not having the best year, but all things considered, I think for a guy, Darno's a veteran at this point, he's proven he can hit in Atlanta. Uh, I think this was a really fair deal for both the player and team. Yeah, it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's not a terribly expensive guy. The Braves are really not paying their guys a ton. Freddie's going to be the big one. They're going to have to break the bank for Freddie. Yeah, but he's 31 already. What does that contract look like? I think the floor is Goldschmidt's five for 125, and Freddie's been much more productive leading into free agency than Goldschmidt was. So what do you give him, six for 180? I think – you know what? Seven for two? I think five for 140. I think both sides sign up for that. Seems reasonable I, enough for both sides. I think Freddie's in a, I think Freddie's genuinely early. I mean, I could be wrong and it's someone else's money. But Freddie, of all these guys, Freddie Freeman seems like Freddie Freeman seems like a hometown discount kind of guy. Freddie's also currently playing out in a $135 million contract. So it's not like he's strapped for cash by any means. Yeah. He's crushing it. Crushing, absolutely crushing. Yeah, Albies. I mean, what what's their move in the offseason? Are they a team that just? I got. I guess I look closer. I mean, what are they missing? A, a true ace? They just they, they'll go after some pitching, but again, they'll have Soroka back hopefully. So, you know, you go into next year with Soroka, Freed, 
I, I'd bring back Chuck Morton if he wants to pitch. You know, uh, is Ted Turner still alive? Ted Turner is still alive. Ted Turner still on the Braves? Does not still on the Braves. Um, they're the only public. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> they're the only publicly owned team in baseball. I forget the exact company. SunTrust Media, maybe. Is Ted Turner on SunTrust Media? No, Ted Turner has nothing to do with the Braves anymore. Sorry, bud. I was gonna say. You know, I'm about to say something crazy about Ted Turner that I don't know enough about. So I'm going to stop myself. Okay. Um, so I was going to say, is Ted Turner the type of guy who would take a shot on a Trevor Bauer if he's a free agent again? Probably, but Ted Turner has nothing to do with the Braves. So he will not be in Atlanta. Yeah. I don't know enough about Ted Turner. Uh, if that wasn't clear by me saying – yeah, just miss just speaking out of my ass about Ted Turner for the last minute. So while Travis Darnold got a contract extension, uh, Tops, which has been the foundation of baseball cards since 1951, uh, they just found out that will no longer be the case as Fanatics, which is continuing its push into the collecting space, has cemented a deal with Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball's Players Association for the executive licenses to produce baseball cards. Uh, this was in a memo obtained by ESPN uh, Thursday. They will be the exclusive licensee in the baseball card category after Panini and Topps licenses with the MLB Players Association expired at the end of 2022. The deal also includes the uh, NBA Players Association and the NFL Players Association, who along with Major League Players Association will have equity in this new venture, as will Major League Baseball and the NBA. The distinction between rights with the players union and or leagues are notable. Uh, for example, Panini has an MLB players association license, but no MLB license. So they could produce baseball cards, but aren't allowed to show MLB team logos. Tops has deals with both and currently produce baseball cards with players, images, and teams logo. Uh, Tops deal was extended in 2018 with the MLB and runs through 2025. And they have been the exclusive licensee of all MLB backed baseball cards since 2009. Uh, the deal with uh, fanatics and the MLB and MLBPA is worth more than 10 times, uh, any more than 10 times anything the union has ever agreed to. And it states that the deal when completed with other recent deals is expected to generate roughly 2 billion, uh, by 2045. So I know you're not a big baseball card guy, but even you, I mean, you know, tops tops is as synonymous. I would say with baseball is Cracker Jacks, any kid growing up who got baseball cards, uh, it's probably tops. And to me, this is a very bittersweet moment in the baseball world when you have a online realtor tycoon like Fanatics swooping in and uh, ultimately taking complete control of the card industry. I'm interested to see how it shakes out these next few years with the card industry booming, especially because Fanatics has no history in the past dealing with sports cards production. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this or is this something I'm just reporting because I think is relevant to baseball? Um, yeah, this doesn't really pique my interest as much as, uh, Ted Turner battling dementia. Fair enough. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. The tops cards are the classic cards. They're shiny. They're pretty glossy. And there's some good ones. You want the rookie cards. I always like the Ginter cards better because they're kind of old school looking. Alan and Ginter. See, you know your cards. That's a good product. Um, Mac and I got those, got that every summer at the beach, Bethany Beach in Delaware. We would get a couple packs of out and get there for each other. And now, uh, all right, we have something new to look at in our next Myrtle Beach. Well, something new to check out at the Walmarts in Myrtle Beach. It'll be interesting to see where Fanatics takes the card industry. But for any cards fan, this is big news to follow. Oh, Fanatics, try and get your uh, your cards in even the down south. There are these uh, Walmarts that are only grocery stores. 
Try and get your cards there. Please, please do. Otherwise, because then we'll, me and you will avoid getting yelled at, which is great. Uh, real quick, we were talking about Joey Votto earlier. Uh, this past week, he had his 2000th career hit in a 14-5 victory over the Cubs last Monday, becoming the fifth member of the franchise to reach that plateau. Uh, he had a third-inning single up the middle against Justin Steele, and in the seventh innings with his team ahead, uh, they chanted, Joey, Joey, as a 37-year-old ran up a full count against Michael Rucker to surpass the milestone. Uh, this year, he's achieved 300, three major milestones, 300 home runs, 1,000 RBIs, and 3,000 hits. Uh, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, he's the first player to achieve 2,000 hit, 300th home run, and 1,000th ribby in the same season since Billy Williams did it in 1971. A uh, couple Votto Hall of Fame stats real quick. Hall of Fame hitters who have 3,000 hits. Uh, there are 25 Hall of Fame hitters um, who have that mark, and 135 with under. Uh, and here's a selective list of Hall of Famers without as many hits as Votto. Bill Dickey, Ralph, Hank Greenberg, Ralph Kiner, etc. Again, it's a selective list. But if you may limit that to corner infielders who finished their career with 2,300 hits or fewer, which is where Votto was projected by Fangraphs end up, Eddie Matthews, Jeff Bagwell, Ron Santo, Mike Schmidt, Willie McCovey, Harmon Killebrew, um, and Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Rogers Hornsby, Ty Cobb, and Joey Votto are the only players to lead the league in on-base percentage seven times. And he's just the fourth player in history with 2,000, 14th player in history with 2,000 hits uh, plus 1,200 walks and a 300, 400, 500 slash line. The only 11 or the only three of those 14 not in the hall are Manny Ramirez, who won't get in because of PEDs, Todd Helton, who I think will get in, and Joey Votto. Also, after the I, I got to correct something from earlier. Okay. Looking at Joey Votto's baseball reference right now, I don't think comparing Freddie Freeman to Votto was fair to Votto. Votto led the league in on base percentage seven times. Look, Votto's a slam dunk Hall of Famer to me. Got to give a shout out to um, six-year-old Reds fan Abigail, who was in the stadium uh, Petco Park in June 19th. Votto's her favorite player. Votto was ejected in the first inning. She cried. Mom posted a photo. Votto signed a ball for her. Uh, through his first 41 games, Votto slashed 234, 4, 327, 441 with eight homers. And in the 52 games since meeting Abigail, 316, 407, 674, 19 homers, and 50 RBIs. Uh, Joey Votto right now on Bavada is plus 2,000 to win the MVP. And if you want a great value with the Reds pushing towards the playoffs, I think that's it. Even That's if Votto, the value. That even, is, even if Votto doesn't win the MVP, I think in baseball overall, it's been the year of Otani. But is it crazy to say that in the National League, it's been the year of Joey Votto, given how the past few years he's been kind of irrelevant, and this is the year that he reminded everyone, hey, this guy's going to the Hall of Fame? It's always Joey Votto's year in the National League. Even, I mean, the power was down 18, I mean, in 18, 19, guess 20. 18 and 19, he only hit 12 or 15 home runs. But in 2019, that was his only true down year. And his on base was 357. And his uh, OP, his slugging was 411. It's okay. It's not disastrous. But I don't know where this power is coming from. The power numbers are confusing to me. But whatever. If Bavada's giving you plus 2,000 on this, everyone loves him. So if the Reds make the playoffs, why not give it a bye? We'll see what happens with Joey Votto. Um, not huge news, but there were two players 
that were ejected this past week due to checking up on pitchers uh, for foreign substances. The first was Caleb Smith, who was ejected in the top of the eighth inning in the D-backs 4-2 win over the Phillies. After umpires said they found a foreign substance on his glove, Smith said it was just a combination of resin and dirt and not something illegal. Um, Crew chief Tom Halian said there were two dark, I'll just call it darker areas of the glove, one on the left side, one on the right side of the heel. We touched those, kind of went around the glove to see if there was any other place they had anything. So there were two spots that seemed like a foreign substance that had a sticky feel to it. I only mentioned Caleb Smith just because we haven't had a ton of ejections here. I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, but the hilarious one, Lance Lynn, after he finished pitching the fourth inning of his team's 3-2 victory over Oakland Wednesday night, um, Lynn got thrown out because he thought that the umpire wasn't prompt doing his forward substance check following the third inning. Uh, the umpire came over late. He left his glove and his hat over there. And then when he was going down to the dugout to see the trainer because he was dealing with something, the ump yelled at him that he needed to see his belt. He tossed it up at the umpire, Nick Lentz, and got ejected. Honestly, I don't think Lance Lynn did anything wrong here. I think the umpire needs to grow up. Lance Lynn was just trying to give him the belt in the most timely manner possible. Yeah. I uh, When it comes to decorum, you always got to adhere to the higher power. They're always in charge. That is something I learned firsthand. So Lance Lynn, if the um, whatever the umpire says goes. Got to just roll with it. I agree. I have another fun fact about Joey Vada for you, Chase. Sure. I'm really digging it deep on this research today. How many career silver sluggers for Joey Vada? Three. Nope. One. Zero. He didn't win the silver. I guess Pools probably won it the year Votto won the MVP. What did Votto win MVP? Was that 11? 2010. 10 was Pujols, 11 was Prince. 12? Want to take a shot in the dark guess on a 2012 NL Silver Slugger was at first base? Is it Justin Morneau? <laughs> Adam LaRoche. Wow. For the Pirates? I think he was on the Nats that season. You're right, for the Nationals. A uh, couple injuries yeah. around the league, and then we will get into our miscellaneous tweets and fun stuff. You know, anytime you see a tweet um, when a pitcher is pitching that day that says thoughts and prayers with the pitcher, you automatically have to assume the worst. And that was what uh, unfortunately happened with Chris Bassett on Tuesday evening at Guaranteed Rate Field. Brian Goodwin hit a line drive 100 miles per hour off the bat. It was a comebacker, hit Chris Bassett on the side of the head. Again, Bassett right up there in the Cy Young race is the ace of the uh, Oakland Athletics. He spent several minutes down on the mound with the training staff who had multiple, multiple towels to the side of his face and was eventually helped onto the cart and driven off the field, clutching a towel to the side of his head. The Athletics announced he's received stitches for two facial lacerations and was diagnosed with a displaced uh, tripod fracture in his right cheek that will require surgery. Visions in a CAT scan revealed no additional damage, and he avoided any damage to his orbital bone and was released to the hospital. Thank God Chris Bass is fine and healthy, but stuff like this, man... Uh, there's nothing to describe it other than the fact that it's absolutely terrifying to watch and see. I mean, I think I've said this before. There are many reasons I was not a big league pitcher, <laughs> but not the, I mean, this, I mean, one, it's scary as hell. Just the thought of getting, getting hit by a fastball. That's a, I mean, that's just a dangerous part of baseball. That I guess has just been an accepted, assumed risk part of the game. A thousand times scarier than that is the comebackers to the face. You, you, you hate to see it. It's the scariest thing. Um, every, I mean, yeah, I mean, every time that happens, yeah, your first thought is this guy just died on the field, at least in my mind. Uh, so it's good to see that Bass is doing well. I mean, 
I'm going to sound like such an old man here, but I think they've already looked into different hats for pitchers. At what point are pitchers going to have to wear helmets? I think we're not too man. far away just because pitchers, pitchers go harder. And, and hitters are hitting harder. 100%. I mean, dude, I can tell you on a much, much smaller micro level, even when I pitch in our softball league, it's terrifying against certain teams. Oh, the comebackers? I've seen you take a couple off the I've off taken the them off the meat. You know, I'm a tough guy, but. And that's a sign. Yeah, that's. I mean, just get well soon, Chris Bassett. Jacob DeGrom, he was transferred from the 10-day injured list to the 60-day injured list, which means he can't pitch until September 15th. Mets should just shut him down at this point, right? I mean, what are they holding out for? Nothing. So you're not going to rush this guy back. You can't have. You can't get him back too soon. You're not making the playoffs anyway. Just, just make sure that guy's doing okay. You mentioned it before, but shout out to Cole Hamels. He was placed on the 60-day injury list with shoulder inflammation and is out for the season, but got paid $1 million to just make a few rehab starts for the Dodgers. What a way to live. See, if that – I would consider doing that. I'd be, If I can get a $1 million to do a couple of controlled scrimmages, that, that's fine. Nelson Cruz is on the injured list, uh, or on the COVID-19 list. The team announced Sunday. We'll see when he comes back. George Put him back in case uh, for five hundred. Does Nelson Cruz have any shot of the Hall of Fame, or is he just too tainted by the uh, Again, I've said this to you many times. I think he's an interesting case because he's such a good guy and has done so much for the community that it seems like, similar to like an Andy Pettit or even like a Giambi, he gets lost in the shuffle for PEDs because people like him so much and respect him so much. Yeah, but Pettit and Giambi were both – and he cost the Rangers the World Series. Can't forget that. I don't forget. I would never forget. George Springer, George Springer, gray one strain in his left knee. Uh, it's encouraging he's dealing with a low-grade sprain, but it's not clear when the Jays expect him to be able to return to the field. Uh, now, of these injuries, you tell me which one do you think has the biggest effect on playoff contenders. Anthony Disclafani is on the injured list with an ankle injury. Evan Longoria is on the COVID injured list uh, in San Francisco. Freddie Peralta, 10-day injured list with right shoulder inflammation. And Jesse Winker is on the 10-day injured list. Uh, he missed three games due to inter, intercoastal discomfort and aggravated the injury upon his return to the lineup. Exited the game after three innings and is not expected to return when first eligible this Thursday. I actually think of all of these, the injury that's going to affect the team the most um, is Anthony Disclafani, just because other than Kevin Gausman, he's the only consistent starter for that Giants team that's trying to hold off the Dodgers. I think as good as Winker is, the Reds are just hitting right now. I was actually going to say Springer. Okay. But um, just because that team's – I think he's the engine that makes that team go. I mean, they're fi- they're still good without him, but he takes that team up another level, up another stratosphere when he's leading off the game. Uh, and the Giants, this Galfani, he's, he's good. But I think the Giants are securely in the playoffs. And I guess I was looking more for a team that gets to the Blue Jays are competing for their lives right now. Can't argue with any of that. A couple tweets and funny bloopers from the week to wrap this up. Shout out to Rugnet Odor, who in Saturday's 7-1 victory over the Twins, asked for time, was granted time. Um, and then when Ralph Garza Jr. threw a pitch, Odor hit a three-run homer that wasn't and ended up striking out. First time I've ever seen that. Well, good for Odor to actually not get ejected right then and there. He's well, he's the one who asked for time, so he's got no one to blame by himself. Hey, you snooze, you lose, man. You snooze, you lose. Field of Dreams 2 was already announced. Next week, next year, the Reds and the Cubs will travel to Dyersville, Iowa for the game. Bryce, if Frank Swindell's playing, we're going. 
Yes, we are just turning into Frank Schwindel groupies. Nothing wrong with that. He's my neighbor. Uh, this was a tweet on 818 from Mark Topkin, who covers the Rays for the St. Petersburg Times. The announced attendance for the Rays Orioles game, Rays Orioles game in Tampa was 6,673 on a salute to service night with free tickets for military teachers and first responders. What an absolute joke of a franchise that the Rays have been nothing but incredible these past few years. And even on a night where fans, many fans could have been given free tickets, they don't crack 7,000 fans. I know it was against the Orioles, but uh, Rays fans, you should be fucking embarrassed. And there's a part of me that hopes your team moves at this point. I also hope they move, but that's for, I actually, I kind of like relocation. I think it's exciting because uh, I know my New York teams are never leaving. Uh, I'm looking at that attendance list from earlier. The two teams that attract the lowest average attendance on the road are the Rays and Orioles. From Jordan Bastian, with his RBI double in the third, Frank Schwindel became the first right-handed hitter for the Cubs to have an extra base hit in seven consecutive games since Aramis Ramirez in 2009. Aramis Ramirez. Good career, dude. That was going to be my next point. Sneaky good career. No, like sneaky. Like, I think Lacoste, like. I think I mean he's a one and he was one and done on the Hall of Fame ballot. I'm almost positive, but like three time All Star, Silver Slugger, hit what 386 home runs. I thought he got the yeah 386. Yeah, nothing. I mean this guy's a was a more than quality big leaguer for the better part of two decades. From Sarah Lang's giving a shout out to our boy Adam Wainwright. Uh, Wainwright now has four starts this year. Four, four starts this year of eight-plus scoreless innings four eight plus scoreless innings pitch. He's the first pitcher with at least four starts at 39 or older in a season uh, since Randy Johnson in 2004. And the last with more than four at age 39-plus was Tom Seaver in 1984. Wayno, go catch Tom Seaver. Do they have any more games against the Pirates? Also, were all four of his starts against the Pirates? He, his next start is against the Pirates. So let's get on that one early. Hammer the Cardinals on Bobata. From Lindsey Adler, you remember you remember on August 2nd, it was my birthday. You might have still been in camp, but when that cat I was. Ran, when cat when that cat ran on the field at the Yankee game. No, it's at camp crushing it. Cat runs on the field, Orioles hit five home runs, crush the Yankees. Uh the Orioles have lost every game since then, since they saw the black cat. I mean, if you're into that shit, I could see why. I could see why that's funny. But, um, you know, the Orioles suck anyway. From Blake Harris, and you tell me how this could be possible. I didn't look into the box, uh, the box score. The Oklahoma City Dodgers, one of the Dodgers affiliates, scored 11 runs in an inning last week and lost. How, I saw that. How in the world is that possible? Well, I guess their, their pitching staff probably struggled if I had to take a shot. That's a very astute observation from you. I appreciate it. I'm only trying to figure this one out what game it was. All right, while you do that, I'll keep going. For any Seinfeld oh, fans. Oh, they lost 11-12. That'll do it. For any Seinfeld fans, Derek Gould, the Cardinals writer, tweeted this. I'm Keith Hernandez. They went up 11-0. And blew it. That's a tough one. Oh, my God. Chase, the guy who got the loss is a name that was definitely in the league. Who? Kevin Quackenbush. I do remember Kevin Quackenbush. That's a big leaguer. Yeah, Quackenbush. Nicknamed Quack, according to his uh, Oklahoma City Dodgers page. 
Seinfeld fans on Keith Hernandez Hall of Fame day for the Cardinals. Newman hits a home run. Just thought I thought something I thought was funny. That's great for I also thought this was funny from tipping pitchers. It just occurred to me that maybe Steve Cohen balked from signing Kumar Rocker when he found out Rocker came from the SEC. Oh, <laughs> that was a good one, right? Oh, that's good jokes. All right. We're going to do some good and some bad for the twins right now. Uh, the bad is that the Yankees since 2002 are 108 and 38 against the twins, uh, which in the regular season would be 120 wins per 162 games. LOL. The positive is uh, each of the last three Twins victories last week ended with the Jorge Polanco walk-off. The first player with a walk-off RBI and three straight team wins since David Ortiz in the 2004 playoffs. Well, that just, you should have, that was good and bad for the Yankees. I was going to say, after I thought, after I read them out loud, I go, I guess good and bad for the Yankees and Twins. And last but not least from Stats by Stats, we're going to end it with our boy Pujols. Albert Pujols homeward off of Rich Hill. Pujols last homeward off of Hill on August 17, 2007. The 14-year, four-day span between consecutive home runs off a single pitcher is the third longest in MLB history behind Carlos Beltran and Bartolo Colon in 15 years and 313 days, and Barry Bonds and Jesse Roscoe, 14 years, 69 days. 69. Nice. That's all I got for this week's I show. Like I like that Pujols has actually become a real player again, and we don't have to force Pujols references there. He has been a serviceable big leaguer. That's all I got for this week. Any concluding thoughts for this week's show? Yes. Get vaccinated. Flu shots. It's almost got time of year again. Uh, and COVID's not going away. Also, tough loss to the music industry today, which I we almost neglected to say. Um, UB40 founding member, Brian Travers, passed away at 62. And uh, the song Red Red Wine is pretty catchy. I was going to say, if you're going to have a drink tonight, um, drink some red, red wine, and then listen to Can't Help Falling in Love With You. Another good cover for them. Uh, they crushed that one. My concluding thoughts will be college football is back this weekend. UCLA, Hawaii at 3.30 Eastern time. If anyone wants to get drunk with me at Bar Coastal, me and my buddy Spencer will be there. Open invitation to all. Hopefully uh, Bryce. I maybe, might be there too now that I got the invite. Bryce, maybe don't come. I feel like whenever you and I watch UCLA sports together, it ends in absolute heartbreak for me. You know what, Chase? I don't think I've ever been with you and watched UCLA win anything. So food for thought. We'll let you come, but maybe you'll sit at a different table. Uh, and shout out to the Yankees. West Coast road trip coincides with when I will be on the West Coast in California next week. Looking forward to watching Yanks A's and Yankees Angels in the proper time zone. That should be a lot of fun, especially watching it with our friend Steamer. With UB40 does a cover of Every Breath You Take that I will be I will be uh I'll be rocking out to that one as soon as we finish recording. On that note, with Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Bedorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week.